standard issue for all women. Hello, Mickey here, bobbing by just for a very, very short message, which is to say that in this chat, which I thoroughly enjoyed with our wonderful Liz Buckley, poor Liz was absolutely rancid with cold. So if her voice sounds a bit funny, it was a bit funny, but bless her. On hand, she had some cough syrup, some cough pastels and a vodka and coke. She's absolutely our kind of girl. And she still powered through an absolute corking top five albums of 2018. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you also check out Hannah's chat with Yosra Osman, our film guru, where they are talking top films of 2018, and it is the other chops. All right, no more from me. Bye. Hello, I am joined by our resident music guru, the marvellous Liz Buckley. Oh, hey, Liz. Hello there. It's nice to see you. It's lovely to see you too. Since our last chat, you've gone and got yourself a spanking new job title. Yes, yes, I'm a fast tracker. It's only taken me 18 years. So I'm label boss now. That's exciting. Label boss at Ace Records. Mm. Well done. Thank you. As label boss of Ace Records, Liz has come in to talk us through her favourite albums of 2018. They're very much my favourites. I'm not expecting everybody to join in or it's not going to be the same as you might see in all the sort of roundups in the magazines or whatever. So it's very personal to me. But last year, my favourite album year was Beck's Colours for Standard Issue. That's what yeah. I had. And I'm just saying that it's up for three Grammys. <laughs> I think you should listen to me. It wasn't the number one in anyone else's list. I absolutely loved that album. And I had so many emails from people saying, thank you for making me listen to Beck, because you kind of take him for granted and didn't really pay any attention. You're just like, oh, here he is again, you know, very reliable. <laughs> might might give that one a miss. And it is one of the best things he's ever done. And actually, if you if you sort of give it a, a go and kind of go, well, maybe I won't take Beck for granted. I got a Beck naysayer to really like Beck again. Oh. He'd not liked Beck since Odelay. There you are. And then was like, oh, no, it just does the same thing all the time. And I was like, no, listen to this. It's really good. And he was like, God, you're right. <laughs> God damn it. Damn it. And he tipped a table but carried on listening to Beck. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's lovely. So let's tip some tables. Yay. <laughs> so my first album of the year, I've got, I've got five pop picks. This one's Shame, Songs of Praise. They're on Dead Oceans Records. They're my best newcomers slash post-punk kids. They're all under 22, I think. They're all babies. Scamps. Oh, I already I hate them. them. <laughs> oh, no. Everybody's going on about idols this year. Not me. I think shame are incredible. Idols are all right. There's nothing wrong with them. I'm not dissing them in any way. But for my money, shame have a lot more going on. They're proper shirts off, sweaty, shouty, jumping off speaker stacks. They're, they're the real deal. And they come from the same sort of background as the Fat White family. So it's that sort of Brixton, dirty pub gig thing. They just played Rough Trade at East. In fact, they are Rough Trade's album of the year, shame. It is literally like CD racks flying and everything. This sounds awesome. They are they are I mean, fantastic. And they're kind of learning on the job, so they have a real charm where they're not media trained, they're not sort of super polished pop stars. So you'll get them in interviews sort of literally working out what they think as they go and they have all these bold statements like, we won't do adverts and we hate machismo. And then they kind of back down again where they're like well we might do an advert if it was for this kind of reason actually and hang on if, if what kind of money are we talking about and, uh, oh and we hate McKisbo but we do love Iggy Pop and you know <laughs> I like the fact they're just sort of hang on we, we feel like we need to deliver the statements but then they're also like hang on let's think about what we're saying and it's not just all about the slogans and stuff and there, there's that real innocence to a bunch of 20 year old boys that want to be your heroes but they're in the making you know you're actually watching it happening I don't know if you got that. I know you were at the same gig where they supported Nick Cave last year 
uh, All Points East and Patty Smith. I did not get to see it. They were quite early in the afternoon and deliberately got there early to see them because my friend had said to me, did you hear Iggy's show on Six Music on Friday? And she knows I'm a big Iggy fan, so uh, and I hadn't heard it. Everyone knows you're a big Iggy fan. <laughs> this, this is basically how I define myself. <laughs> Iggy had played Shame a couple of times and she said every single time I went to the radio, I was like, what is this amazing song? It was Shame. So let's go and see them. They're playing, you know, I think they were on at like three in the afternoon or something that day. So it's like, oh, let's give them a go. And they were great. I mean, sort of bleached blonde hair, looked like M&M. I'm in a boiler suit. The guy, the guitarist was so sweaty, his strap broke. They were just all over the <laughs> fucking place. They were sweating their bollocks off because they were overdressed. <laughs> I love learning on the job. You know, you're like, oh, bless them. They will never wear those outfits again. <laughs> They're but, just glad head to toe in polyester. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, God, who was on the Sunday? Oh, war paint. They were all wearing jumpers. Oh, my God, they suffered. What is wrong with people? Come on now. <laughs> they look great, but fucking hell. They kept going to the back of the stage to get to the dark, to get out of the sun and all the spotlights. <laughs> I felt for war point. Anyway, shame. Songs of praise. Love them. I think they've got really something about them, you know, and they, they have quite political lyrics and stuff. There's v- Visa Vulture, which is about Theresa May and... Uh, they talk about injustices and the fall of their heroes. And, yeah, I think they're going to get more and more interesting. They definitely sound like ones to watch. Yeah. Ones to hear. I think they're watchers because they give a good show, you know. So next time they're early on the bill, give them a go. Nice. <laughs> Noted. There we go. Number five. In at number five. In at Shame number... <laughs> with songs of praise. Exactly. I'm ready for number four, Liz. Number four, Spiritualised and Nothing Hurts, which is Bella Union in the UK. Spiritualised? Are they like 174 now? Oh, I didn't say that. <laughs> Been around forever. Well, so have I. <laughs> oh, me too. That's how I know. Because I am 174. This is actually only their eighth studio album. Really? Yeah. So they've been away six years unless you count their sort of little record store day releases, which I do because I'm a huge spiritualized fan. So they did a record store day 12-inch with Primal Scream and they were on for Lockazoids as well, which was last April, I think. Yeah, apart from that, they, they don't actually put that much out. So even though they've been around a long time, when they are back, I get tremendously excited. That is allowed. <laughs> I miss I them terribly that. when they've gone. And so we've had Shame, who were the sort of newcomers, debut album in January. And now we've gone to Spiritualized, who are sort of like seen stalwarts, but they're a huge, huge sound. So massive orchestras, gospel choirs, 20-piece uh, musician score, a huge sound. They play venues like Royal Festival Hall, Royal Albert Hall. It's enormous and it's beautiful when they play. It's absolutely beautiful. They'll have like confetti and white balloons coming from the ceiling and sort of magic disco balls and white lights and it's special and it's sort of such an amalgam of things. So you'll get a gospel choir but they'll be singing bits of Elvis and hymns and it's just beautiful. So it's it's huge and it's kind of, yeah, one extreme to the other here. So whilst I love shame being a bit visceral and new and learning on the job spiritualized i'm just like oh we're in safe fucking hands here i'm so happy to see them i mean you know jason pierce writes most of the the music and he he will write you know for strings for brass he's just incredible so the fact that he can write something that enormous and then he's just one man sat with his guitar in the corner and everyone else kind of realizes what he does for him is incredible and so when when they're back I am really very excited and he does very little press and he talks very little and he has really ill health (laughs) so I feel quite protective of them as well because you know he's been down to seven stone he's had double pneumonia he's an ex-heroin addict he's sort of 
really, really thin and fragile. And it kind of, it, that all adds to the feel of what a precious thing, like you want to wrap them in tissue paper. And from such a tiny, fragile place comes such a big soul and a big noise. Yeah, exactly, which makes it even more like a heart on a stick because it, it feels like it matters. Quite a lot of his imagery is to do with pharmaceuticals and hospitals and that's all part of it. It's a heady concoction of romance and medicine. <laughs> And <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Sounds amazing. His missus directs his videos, Pretty Bird, Juliet Laugh, who is also fantastic. I adore her. And all of the videos are sort of extensions of his image. So he's, you know, a spaceman driving a car in a proper sort of out, you know, big outfit with the bowl head thing on. And his kids have spacemen as their surname. Like it will be sort of Poppy and Hank spacemen on their school reports. You know, they're <laughs> the full deal. And I love how enormous it is. His whole world is like a sort of spacescape and that's how he lives and it's just wonderful to have him back. So Jason Spaceman, spiritualised and Nothing Hurt is in my top five. I'm loath to put them in any kind of order actually but we'll say that's number four. Okay. They're actually supporting Primal Scream and Chemical Brothers in Hackney in June I believe so come along I'll be there. There's a gig. (laughs) That can be our annual gig. Yeah. Yay. We're always in Hackney Park in the summer. <laughs> That's where you'll find me and Liz, sneaking some rum in and yeah. making cocktails in the shade. Yeah. No, not the rum. That never happens, Ignore no. That. That. Still got some Christmas presents to buy. You know, those awkward things, your brother's girlfriend that you haven't yet met, your secret Santa. Here's an idea. Why not buy a ticket or two to our show in January? Leicester Square Theatre, January the 15th, when we will be joined by the brilliant Jem Brister, the excellent London Hughes, and very exciting creator and star of the BBC's This Country, Daisy May Cooper. If you would like to buy a ticket, you should go to Sarah's website. That's www.sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue, and all of the information will be there. Okay, what's in at number three then, please? In at number three, as a lover of cats, you will like this. Cat power is... I think they've got all the power. I think they're secretly controlling Theresa May and they're to blame for everything, but I still love them. Oh, I think if cats had anything to do with Theresa May, they'd have a wig off. (laughs) (laughs) Wanderer is the name of Cat Power's new album, Out on Domino. Another one that's been away for six years. I think that's purely coincidental. She's sort of country blues singer-songwriter so again quite different we've had the post-punk kids we've had big orchestral romance and now female troubadour one woman and her guitar kind of thing a little bit bigger than that but you know the, the front cover of her album is literally her holding the fretboard and she's actually wearing a dress I've got <laughs> I was like ah I can relate to Cat Power I've got that dress <laughs> but um, yeah it's fantastic to have her back too so she it's her first album since What Would the Community Think which was uh, on Matador and it's a bit of a thing that she's no longer on Matador she's done a few interviews Chan Marshall doesn't really do that much interviews she's quite shy of public life another person I feel quite protective of actually because she's her song's very raw and very personal but she she doesn't sit comfortably with being on stage in a lot of ways or you know or doing press or anything but she said that the people at Matador basically played her Adele and it was like this is what your record's meant to sound like where are the hits kind of thing uh, so they didn't understand her at all. No, this is very, this is 
I'm quoting what I've read she said, so I, that's sort of almost three people remove it. This is what I believe happened, so she's ended up on Domino. But this album is her kind of doubling down, which I love. So she's yeah. kind of going, no, this is what I do. This is what I'm about. I'm not going to be shy of being an artist rather than a product. And rather fantastically, uh, there's a song that she wrote after she left Matador called Woman, which she duets with Lana Del Rey on. <laughs> so it's, it's a massive sort of screen. <laughs> You're like, oh, you want the hits? I've gone over here and I'm with Lana Del Rey now. <laughs> and um, it's a fantastic song because actually it's literally just the word woman repeated over and over again. So it's very simple. You can all join in before it's even finished. Each time she says woman with Lana backing her up, it feels like they're saying it in a different way, which is what I love about it. It's sort of like there's various shades of what being a woman is and meaning and important. So it's sort of it feels like there's pride and there's defiance and there's pain and it's just them kind of going, woman, 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 in different ways. Yes, it feels very anthemic. I'm waiting and... for the Bookley remix there. <laughs> I'm liking that. <laughs> yeah, they won't be getting any hits if I start joining. <laughs> it's entirely produced by Chan Marshall as well. There's a cover of Rihanna on there. Actually, she tells a story about her ex picking her up in his car and uh, it's Rihanna's stay that she covers and her ex sort of went, oh, there's my girl. And she thought, oh, that's nice, thinking he meant her and he meant Rihanna. Oh, oh, that is a gut punch. I think she uses these albums to kind of, you know, just kind of wag fingers at people, which is great. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I really love that she's done this and she has doubled down and she's gone this is what I'm doing it's under 40 minutes it's a really brief album and she's just kind of gone you know I'm arriving in my own way and I'm leaving when I'm ready good on her yeah for not being shaped by an industry that has spent a long time trying to shape women absolutely yes so there we are cat power number three that means that we're number two number two Okay, this is getting tougher and tougher. Okay, Jack White, Sporting Outreach. I know you guys have listened to Liz, and so you feel a bit like you know her, but I know Liz, and the fact that Jack White is at number two, this must have been a big tug. (laughs) A big tug for you. Well, okay, I have my reasons, obviously. (laughs) I've been very restrained, actually. It's the first time I've talked about Jack White on the podcast, which is incredible, really, but I've been been very good. I'm sort of like, I just think, oh, everyone knows what I think about him. (laughs) Boarding House Reach, it's his third solo album. It's out on Third Man Records, which is his record label. It's uh, XL in the UK. And, you know, if we're sort of kind of saying that, you know, we've got our country blues singer-songwriter female, we've got our orchestral lovelorn industry stalwart, and we've got our punk blues 20-year-olds, this is your sort of fucking out there everything. I mean, this album, I'm not going to lie, did not go down well. (laughs) Did it, not? it had really, really quite questionable reviews. I think it got three stars in The Guardian. It got a very rude review in Pitchfork. People were quite antagonised by it. My favourite one was Willfully Weird. <laughs> that is the best description of Jack White I have ever heard. But it, 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 it is all over the place. There's hip-hop and there's blues. and there's. In fact, in fact I think the NME said it was a bit like uh, Tom Waits meets the Beastie Boys. And you're like, what is wrong this, with that? Again, <laughs> sign me up. I was genuinely delighted it was more of the same. I was like, oh, brilliant. <laughs> this is what he does and I've got another load of it. And yeah, but a lot of other people were sort of quite freaked out by it. And I guess it is experimental and I must know what they mean because uh, when I went to see him, he did Three Nights at Hammersmith, a friend of mine said, does he do that song that sounds like a dolphin? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I must know it. It's weird deep down somewhere. <laughs> 
I don't know, there's a hostility to Jack White in the press, there's no question about that. He's a difficult interviewee. He definitely finds journalists, people to be suspicious of, and I, I think that probably goes slightly both ways. But I do believe he is a, an actual genius. He's a precious treasure of a musician and I adore every single note on this album in fact it's got one of my favourite songs of all time let alone this wow. year so yeah big I absolutely love it from Buckley big talk <laughs> I think it is a work of genius what's your favourite song of all time or over and over and over It's. I think it's a fantastic song and as you can probably guess from the title it's sort of thing that you can listen to on repeat <laughs> it's got a massive massive mm. hook in it in fact this this record is full of catchphrases and big stompers and so as much as you've got sort of like Seven Nation Army or whatever which you know is almost adopted as a folk song now I mean you've got it in stadiums sports stadiums you've got it as political anthems with Jeremy Corbyn it's kind of entered popular culture or in fact culture for all time it's it's kind of almost got that Dylan-esque you know it's not even his property anymore it's just a sort of uh, something that everyone knows and it's seeped into consciousness I think there are songs like that on this album it's just that people were a little bit freaked out about maybe how they're cadged so they're not they're not quite such simple hooks it's a bit more complicated but he's always going to get bored if he doesn't move on so well this is it I don't understand why the music press was surprised because Jack White has always absolutely ploughed his own furrow Mm. even with the simplicity of the white stripes, the fact that he had those rules and put those rules into yeah, place yeah. was seen as willfully weird at the time. <laughs> but now, because he's changed his mind, that's willfully weird again. Yeah, he's willfully weird. Just get on with it. <laughs> yes, but he's also brilliantly normal. I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic blues guitar player, basically. That's the crux of it. Mm. I think maybe his drummer is the most exciting thing about this record. Is a woman called Carla Rizar. All of the people on this album are basically new musicians. He's got a couple of stalwarts who are still in the in the lineup. But Carla Rizar is this incredible drummer. Basically, Jack was sat on YouTube going, I want someone that can play beats and loops like they can on Kanye records or on Jay-Z records. I want someone who's better than a drum machine. And he found Carla Raza by watching sort of all these sort of hip-hop videos, just contacted her out of the blue and said, would you work on this record? And she is fucking incredible. And I went to see four of the gigs on the last tour and every single time I went different people were completely obsessed with her at the end of the gig because she was just amazing and he knows that he's got something in her because she sat side stage she's not at the back Uh and she totally plays from the elbow so everything is so fluid and it almost looks like she's not even moving. Wow. And it's, it, yeah, like I say, it's from the elbow and it's just totally, totally part of her body that is just it's like a machine. It's absolutely incredible, but it looks effortless. Like she's not even breaking a sweat. I think this album is very, very underrated. I think it's in most of the top 50s of the year. Wow. But I oh, do Jack. think in time, people will come to love it and uh, they'll realise that it's a bit of a lost treasure and God knows there's been plenty of those over the years, you know. So all the records you think that didn't get critically acclaimed when they first came out, I think this will be one of them. There was a lovely little story actually about the title where um, Boarding House Reach... Lily May, who's his violinist, um, was in the studio just to do a little bit of uh, recording on the new album. She's not on it that much. Jack, kind of, when he was with her, leant across the recording desk and said, excuse my boarding house reach. And she's like, what's that? That's a really cool phrase. And he said it's, um, you know, in the olden days, cowboys in the Wild West or whatever, when you're all sitting around an enormous long table, you've got to try and get the food first or you won't get your dinner. (laughs) So people in boarding houses would literally sort of like lean from one end of the table to the other 
other to grab up potato or whatever. So it's excuse my boarding house reach. That's why it's called what it is. I really like that. That is a really lovely phrase. I think anyone with a family of more than three would totally appreciate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So at number two, Jack White, Boarding House Reach, which means... Pop pickers. Marianne Faithful. Liz is going wild in the studio. (laughs) Crazy wild. Oh, my God. It's so nice to have her back. So talking of, oh, my God, right, uh, legends and poets and treasures. And so she's... This is her 21st studio album. She's 71 and it, she said this is the first time she's ever felt understood. And that made me so sad because I just Aww. think she's not been treated very well as Marianne. You know, she's sort of grown up in the public eye, 17-year-old pop star, part of a power celebrity couple and all that. And she got yokoed a little bit, I feel. Totally, yeah. To hear her, someone as wonderful as Marianne Faithful to say, you know, thank God people finally get what I'm doing. Uh, <laughs> it's just incredibly sad. You're like, we haven't treated her well. So there's no way she wasn't going to be my album of the year. I I want her to know that she's loved and she's fantastic. It is a brilliant album. Negative Capability. It has a very different voice to people who know Marianne's records well. Yeah, her voice has changed an awful lot. With It's got depth and feeling and vulnerability and age and wisdom. And it's as smooth and as deep as mahogany, but it's also got that sort of cracked sound of you know a smoker and some you know it it sounds like drinking absinthe in a paris bar at three in the morning (laughs) so she she does actually sing some songs from they're sort of peppered throughout her career so there's uh new versions of as tears go by um and it's all over now baby blue and witch's song which is from broken english so she actually revisits various points in her career and sings them with her new voice and that works brilliantly i think you probably know as tears go by. So it's quite an odd song. It's a uh, Jagger Richards song. And, you know, they wrote it for her when she was a teenager. But, it's you know, it's, it is about being an older person looking at children playing and your life being over. And so I when you know, that very sort of detached, bored sounding delivery that she had when she did this song, which is sort of... I, uh, it is the evening of the day. I sit and watch the children play. And it's almost a bit Nico, that sort of, you yeah. know. It makes a lot more sense for somebody 71 saying that rather than someone 17. So it, all of the things that she does on this album, it really does feel like a sort of a legacy album. It's a bit like when uh, Leonard Cohen had his final album and it has the weight of finality to it, even though it's before the fact. And, you know, she, she is looking back at her life and how people are going to remember her. And the lyrics are wonderfully sad and pretty, but there's there's so much more to it because of the depth of her voice and uh, what she's bringing to it. And it, there's references from all over the place. As Gypsy Fairy Queen has Shakespeare in it. And she sings about Anita Pallenberg on Born to Live, uh, her best friend who died last year. Another person who's been a bit yokoed, I feel. She says things like uh, she thinks of Anita every morning when she wakes up and how much she misses her best friend. And it's a very real, personal record, and it conveys so much more than just what is on there. And it's a, it's a bit of a super group. So you've got uh, Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Mark Lanigan and Rob Ellis and Ed Hardcore all helping her. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they're all in the background, production duties, bit of songwriting, bit of arranging, playing the instruments. Wow. What a her. dream team. Absolutely. And, you know, and it, it is bigger than the sum of its parts. It's absolutely beautiful. And so this is her reappraising her own life. But I think we 
have to reappraise her as well and say, what a fantastic lady, and I want her, us all to tell her. Marianne, if you're listening, you're amazing. <laughs> and we're sorry it's taken this long for us to appreciate it. That is a cracking roundup. I want to go and get all five of those records. I'm very excited. <laughs> and Beck. I already got Beck. Okay. I already got Beck from last year. (laughs) Liz, thank you so much for sharing your albums of 2018. Merry Christmas, darling. And you. Yeah, thank you. Worried that you won't be hearing from us over the festive period? Fret ye not, dear listeners, because we have got a couple of, and I'm going to say this myself, absolute crackers of bonus episodes coming for you. There's a special Christmas present. Ooh, no peeking. Get, get away from that tree. You will wait till Christmas Day like everyone else. And then on Boxing Day, a little bit of man chat. What? I, yeah, I know, right? Because we did record it on International Men's Day Boxing Day, so it seems only fair to release it on actual Boxing Day. It's what David Mitchell would have wanted. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree. Standard issue for all women.